Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. Mike Cavagioni, Mike C from Long Island, as I call him. He is a soon-to-be-retired Navy veteran. He's also a real estate broker, real estate entrepreneur, multifamily investor, and a few syndications in a few different states right now. And uh, he's just kicking butt and taking names with this podcast. So the Average Joe podcast, Average Joe blog, Average Joe finance, he's really got a, a really good thing going now. Thousands of downloads, tons of people he's helped get out of debt, get into good debt, leverage things and change their financial lives and their outlook on what the difference is between leverage and debt, which I think is an extremely important piece that not enough enough people talk about. So it was also really always great to see somebody who is from the hometown of Long Island out there doing great, especially when they've moved all the way across the country to Hawaii and are out there doing long-term business and uh, investing all over the mainland. I always love seeing good guys from the East Coast and from Long Island do good, especially my Italian brothers from Long Island out there doing stuff. So it was great to have mom. The guy can definitely talk. I see where he's got a podcast, but gets to the point. He's very well-spoken. He's got really great content and a very good outlook on stuff that I think he does a great job explaining. So definitely check the show notes for all the ways to reach out to Mike and to uh, connect with him and his podcast and his finance or education stuff, his blogs, all the things you'll see on there um, for what he's got going on. I think you guys will be really impressed with him. So definitely connect with him. Definitely reach out to him. He gives some great tips on outsourcing, delegating, and definitely some stuff on networking and building out some great relationships. And speaking of great relationships, definitely check out nicknick.com slash links for all the ways to connect with myself and this podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. Leave a review of five stars if you get some times on iTunes. But remember on nicknicknick.com slash links, you can connect to basically everywhere, every platform that this podcast is on, including YouTube. So it really goes a long way if you guys subscribe, if you connect with the podcast. And then I always post social media clips promoting the podcast. So please follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook, TikTok, wherever it is that is your social media thing. And when I do post clips from this podcast with Mikey C from Long Island, like them, share them, tag your friends, give a fist bump, post it, just comment on a good content, something. So Mike and all the guests that come on this podcast for free and share their invaluable experience of decades of ways to make money and save time will continue to come on and give you guys a great show for another two, three, four, five hundred episodes. So please, the tuition for the show is just to please subscribe, like, share, and just interact. A little bit goes a long way on social media. You guys are scrolling anyway. When you pass something, just click the like button and it really starts to help. So thank you so much for your support. Again, if you would like to invest in real estate and you want to do it together, you can buy properties from me. You can sell properties to me. Or if you would like to have a conversation on either one or just figuring out how we can work together and JV or partner up on some deals, all you need to go to do is go, go to text me directly at 516-540-5733. Again, that is 516-540-5733. And last but certainly not least, if you would like a checklist on how to bring more value to your buyers as a real estate broker, wholesaler or agent, go to nicknicknick.com slash bigger pockets. Shout out to Lawrence Dunning for uh, recommending Mike to me. For recommending Mike to me, he was a great guest and I always appreciate anybody that's good in Lawrence's book is good in my book. Definitely check him out. Check out the Enter Lion podcast. Follow Lawrence on social media at Lawrence Dunning. The guy is just one of the most inspirational, awesome dudes I have come across. Could not say enough good things about him. That guy should be somebody that's going to be a huge name in the real estate injury and social media and podcasting in the next few years. There's uh, nobody that's going to come across a guy like Lawrence and not be blown away, impressed, instantly likable, instantly impressionable. And uh, again, can't say enough good things about him. Check out the episodes we had him on and definitely check out his podcast, his social media, and my buddy David Perret at From Military to Millionaire and their podcast as well. You can see Mike C and a whole bunch of other great guys on. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for subscribing. Thank you so much for listening and supporting us. Thank you, Mike, for coming on. And thank you, Lawrence, for the recommendation. Everybody have a great day. A Game Podcast.
All right, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast is an investor and Navy veteran who is about to retire in about 30 days, as well as an entrepreneur and fellow Paisan fighting out of Hawaii, but by way of my hometown of Long Island, New York. He is the founder of Average Joe Finances. He's a finance coach who is financially free by age 38 and now hosts the Average Joe Finances podcast, which is frequently ranked in the top 1%. He's a blog author, the master of making the side hustle a full-time moneymaker, owns real estate in multiple states, and is on a mission to provide relevant and informative content that will help others in their own financial independent journey and to help you beat debt, build wealth, control your future, and even maybe own an inflatable nightclub along the way, which we'll talk about. Please welcome to the A-Game Podcast from Long Island, New York, to Houston, to the A-Game Podcast, Mr. Mike Cavagioni. Hey, Nick, thank you so much for that awesome introduction. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, man. Dude, pleasure having you on. Before before I even uh, agreed, or after I even agreed to have you on, I didn't even know you were a Long Island boy. So once I found that you were an Italian boy from Long Island, how could I say no? <laughs> perfect, perfect. Yeah, man. Nice, man. So, so for it. people who aren't 100% familiar with you and your backstory yet, can you give like a 30,000-foot view of kind of who you are, where you came from? Sure, yeah. I mean, so I grew up on Long Island, uh, originally from Central Islip uh, in Suffolk County. And uh, joined the Navy at the age of 17, had to have my parents uh, sign, sign me away and uh, shipped off to boot camp right after I graduated. I was 18 at the time, right? But I did like this delayed entry program for a year. I won't get into all that. Uh, but anyway, ship out to boot camp and uh, I have not lived back in New York since. And, uh, you know, went down, did some training in uh, Great Lakes, Illinois, then some training in Mississippi, got to my first ship in early, uh, I'm sorry, late 2002, deployed right away in January of 03, because that's when stuff started going down. And uh, the rest is history, man. I did uh, three deployments on that ship, came back, did a recruiting tour, uh, went to another ship, did a deployment on there, commissioned as an officer, uh, went to another ship and uh, got that thing through the shipyards, got it trained and underway. And then uh, after that, I went to Naval Special Warfare for a little bit, did a deployment with those guys. And then after that, I went to uh, Hawaii to do a XO ride um, over at U.S. Pacific Fleet. And then I, I punched out uh, after that. I went to the shipyard for about 11 months and uh, dropped my retirement papers. And, uh, and that was that. So um, it's been a really good ride, 20 years. Uh, absolutely loved, loved my time serving in the Navy. And uh, throughout that process, towards the end of it, I was like, you know, my retirement my pension from the military alone is not going to be enough. I got to do something else. Real estate was always in the back of my mind because my uncle invested in real estate in upstate New York, and he worked for the state as a corrections officer. And he always put that bug in my ear, man. And I'm like, I, I got to do something. So I, I started looking to you know, get back into real estate. I, I became an accidental landlord on my recruiting tour. <laughs> and uh, that left a bad taste in my mouth because I was losing money on that deal. And I bought that home in 2007. So we know what happened the next you know, two years, right? So that was a very painful process to go through. I wound up short selling that home. And again, just had this bad taste in my mouth. But when I came out here to Hawaii, I, at the time, I, I had paid off all my debt. And I had uh, saved up about $40,000 that was just sitting in my account. I said, okay, let's buy a house out here and make it happen. Bought a house, got with some friends that were investing in real estate. They, they kind of twisted my arm a little bit, put the bug back in my ear. I said, all right, yeah, let's do it. I'm going to get back into it. Bought a duplex in Chesapeake, Virginia. Uh, then COVID happened. And it was just like, man, is, is somebody trying to tell me something like real estate shouldn't be for me? Uh, but I, I, I didn't give up. You know, I, I persevered through that. Uh, I wound up selling that property a year later at a profit and then taking that money and investing my first real estate syndication, which is kind of what I, I enjoy doing now. Because for me, it's very hands-off. Uh, process. And while I was still active duty, it, it was it was nice because I was able to just say, say hey, here's my money and uh, invest it into this uh, apartment building. And then I get paid these monthly distributions, which is really nice. So I wound up doing it two more times. So I'm in three deals right now. And uh, that's uh, pretty much me in a nutshell. I, I just started a new business. You, you had mentioned it there uh, with the, with the uh, inflatable nightclubs. It's called uh, Pop-Up Club 808. We're going to be doing inflatable nightclubs out here in Hawaii. It's going to be the next big thing. So make sure you're looking out for it. It's going to be awesome. That's cool, man. I love the uh, the entrepreneurial spirit with all this, uh, the new stuff, man. I think that that's really cool. So we'll, we'll definitely dig onto that. Something you touched on that I always think is a, a point of interest is I know you talked about having some some beatings, those first couple of deals and going through some tough times with maybe the finances being a little bit in trouble with the credit taking a little bit of a hit. 
And I know you initially went down the, down the traditional route of trying to find, like, I think you referred to as the envelope method, try and get some of those dead out. But a lot of the times, either the person that has taken some of those beatings, or like you said, had a couple of a, a bad taste in their mouth for the first deal or so, or their spouse or partner or loved ones are kind of like, you're not doing that again. They have a bad first experience and then they get out and they never go back. And that's why I generally tell people constantly like, hey, make sure you're really careful with your first deal because if you have a bad experience in your first deal, sometimes there's not a second deal and there's just too much money to be made to have that first bad experience. So what was it? Did you tell yourself or, or, or what were the conversations or the thoughts like to get yourself back in the game after having that bad taste in your mouth? You know, I, I'll tell you. So after that first one, uh, you know, back in 2007, when I when I bought that home, that was, you know, the whole intent was this is gonna be my family home. And like I said, I became an accidental landlord because I got orders, had to PCS, did not realize that the home was in an area that is not a good spot for renting. And uh, so I, I had to I had to suck that one up. Um, I also couldn't sell it because the market had completely shifted, right? And when it first happened, when the market first crashed, my house went up in value about $50,000. I'm like, yes, this is great. Mm -hmm. I should have sold it right then and there, but I didn't. And I waited and I wound up, so I, I paid I paid two fifty dollars for this house and I wound up selling it in 2012 at one fifty seven, dollars And it was very painful. And I thought I lost my VA uh, benefit from that. Um, but, you know, funny story, when I got out here to Hawaii, I said, okay, I'm going to try to get my VA loan and see if I can uh, do this again when we buy. And uh, we we got in touch with the VA and they said, hey, you know, your record's flagged. We need to take a look at this. And they said, hey, yeah, we see the short sale here and everything. However, comma, turns out the uh, lender that you used last time filed the paperwork a day too late. So it's null and void and you have your benefit back. And I'm like, all right, let's go. So um, otherwise, I was going to have to pay about $67,000 to get my VA benefit loan back because that's what they had to guarantee on the back end of that that uh, sour deal, right? So anyway, um, to me, it was it was more of a – I knew I wanted to own a home when I came out here. And I was like, yeah, I, I don't want to rent. I don't want to throw away my, my BAH. So out here in um, – well, actually, in the military, it's called BAH. It's Basic Allowance for Housing. It's a tax-free stipend that we get to to you know either rent or just live out on the economy right if you live in base housing they collect all of that and you don't you don't get it right so i'm like you know i'm getting this tax free money i want to buy a home that i could you know actually use as a tax benefit or a tax shelter and and get some of that back but at the same time why not use the stipend that i get to pay for this home and instead of living on base housing and then eventually in the future i could sell it for a profit, right? And that, that was the whole thought process behind that. Didn't realize I was going to retire and actually stay here in Hawaii, but it's fine because I'm able to utilize this home in other ways. And I'll get to that in a little bit. But anyway, uh, when I got out here, uh, I paid off all my debt. You know, you had mentioned the, the envelope method. Uh, before we came to Hawaii, I was deployed to Iraq and I knew, you know, something had to give. So I was taking all of my extra pay and everything. And we were just snowballing our debt down. My wife was really good at being disciplined, especially while I wasn't there to make sure that, you know, all of our money's going to the right places. So she's actually the one that said, let's do this, this envelope method. And she would divvy up all of the money uh, into these different uh, funds, right? D different envelopes. And it, you know, we had one for the pet and the vet. We had one for the car. We had one for our bills, our monthly bills. And we had one for our debt pay down. And she would take the money and she would just, distribute into these envelopes. And then she would go out and, and she did it this way. So that she physically had to handle the money. So you can actually watch it come and go because it does something to you mentally. When you see it, when you're not just doing a online transaction or swiping a card, when you're physically moving this money from hand to hand, it, it triggers something in you. Right? So that's, that's what worked for us. And now mind you, I was deployed. So I was kind of like, yeah, Hey, here, just take all the money whatever. I can't do nothing with it except for maybe buy a pizza on Friday when, <laughs> when we have the special time. Right. Um, but that was really it. So we wound up paying about $28,000 in credit cards off, uh, and about like another 15 to 20,000 in uh, personal loans. We come out here to Hawaii debts paid off. We have about 40 K saved that we did this in a two year period. And we said, okay, buying the house. So we bought the house and then I'm talking with friends that invest in real estate. 
And uh, I was talking about what I did. And I started a blog called Average Joe Finances talking about my journey to getting out of debt. And I said, you know what? I am going to go back and invest in real estate again. But the thing was, you had mentioned this earlier too. It's sometimes you, you get into a situation and then you have to convince your spouse, right? Now, my wife was very apprehensive to get back into investing in real estate after what happened with our first quote unquote accidental rental, right? So uh, we got with some friends. We, we went and had a nice lunch. They showed us some of the stuff that they had in their portfolio. I had secretly looked up some deals and, and brought it over there and said, hey, guys, what do you think of this? And then my wife kind of gave me the side eye. I said, no, 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 come on. Like, let, let's, let's all talk about this. And they said, hey, you know, these are really good deals because of A, B, C, or D, or this one's not that good because of A, B, C, or D. You know, and they would explain to us why. So we kind of got that whole, you know, 101 lesson there. And I looked at my wife and she looked at me and we were just like, and I was like, you know, I, I want to do this. What do you, what do you, what do you want to do? And she's like, you know what, let's, let's give it another try. So we do it. And I swear, man, you know, we, we closed February of 2020 and it's like, what happened the next month? I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Really? This, this pandemic thing. So I had a tenant that couldn't pay rent. Um, thankfully my downstairs tenant was section eight and I was getting paid no matter what every month. And that was enough to cover all of our expenses. So we weren't like terribly losing money with this. Um, but fast forward a little bit uh, towards the end of the year, I found this program. Uh, it was a uh, rent relief program for, for that particular county. And I got this uh, guy applied for it. Um, I, I had to do everything for him because he was just like, oh, I don't know what to do. So I filled out all the paperwork and I sent it to him. I said, here, sign it and take it to this office. He, he signed it, took it to the office. And then in December, I got a check with, all of the back due rent and all the late fees, which was super awesome. Um, and then I wound up selling the place to another investor. And now this guy's under this rent uh, assistance program. And I was like, you know, here you are cash flowing 900 plus dollars a month. And after I got everything back, I cash flowed about 950 a month. And, uh, and I still made like about a $12,000 profit when I sold it. So I took that money, like I said, and got into real estate syndications and, uh, and, and, that's pretty much uh, how I got back into real estate investing. They, long story, but you know, like, you know me, I'm from New York. You're from New York. You know how we are. <laughs> got this, I got to catch my breath in between. But yeah, that's, that's how I got back into it, man. That's awesome, man. So I, I like it. It's a slow, steady progress. Gets, yep. gets, get everybody comfortable, take those baby steps on there, and then, uh, and then we can be all good. So talking about your average Joe blog and some of the things that you just did there, I think it's a big miss that people don't understand more about the basic financial literacy. They're under this uh, illusion that they're going to save where their way to wealth or that the little bit of money that they had, it, it blows me away how little some people are living on, especially in places like California, when it's like, ah, like, how are you not more concerned? And they think that just saving that, especially with what's happening with inflation, is going to save them. It's just kind of crazy. So a few like key points that I, I definitely wanted your opinion to elaborate a little bit more on for financial literacy. First off, address people that have money in the bank and saving it for a rainy day versus trying to invest it because they feel like if they invest it, they're losing it. Or it's it seems like the safer thing to do, even though it's actually the, the opposite. Yeah, Nick, that that is a fantastic point because I, you know, a lot of people think, oh, if I if I pay off my debt and I just start saving this money in my bank account, you know, now I have this money sitting here for a rainy day or for whenever I need it. But in reality, the longer that money sits in your savings account, the more money you're losing, right? If you're looking at the the current interest rates, we're looking between eight and nine percent per year. And that's just what's advertised. That's not what reality is, right? If you start looking at prices for everything else, like a, a carton of eggs, uh, you know, a gallon of milk, all that stuff is going up between 15 and 20%, right? So not only are you dealing with inflation, but you're also dealing with companies raising prices on the back end of that as well. So it's there's a lot of value that your money loses when this happens. So your money sitting in a bank account is losing eight to 9% per year, where if you had it in you know, a, an index fund, sitting there and uh, you know, you'd be gaining between nine and 12% per year, right? And a lot of people looking at like what happened this past year with the stock market. Yes, so like I know my, my stock portfolio itself, I think is down uh, about 9.8%. It happens, right? But guess what? I didn't sell anything. I left it alone because 
it's already starting to recover. It was down even more than that. It was down about 14% at one point. And now it's just down 9% because it's starting to slowly come back up. And that's one of the things about the real estate market. If you pay attention to it and you look at graphs going all the way back from the time that it started, and you, you can watch the stock market go up, go up, go up, and then it comes down. And then it goes up, goes up, goes up, and then it comes down. But the trend is it always comes back up. It always makes that return, right? So if you just set it and forget it, you're in a pretty safe spot. Now, that's like going in index funds and like you're in the S&P 500. It's distributed between 500 of the top companies in the United States, right? Where if you're going into individual stocks, like a lot of people are like, well, I like to build my own portfolio. And that's fine. You can do that. But they'll invest like heavily in like Tesla, Apple and, and stuff like that. And it's like, you're all in tech stock, right? What happens when the tech sector goes down? You've got nothing else that's holding you up. So that's why the, you know, being well diversified, having your portfolio well diversified is one of those things that's going to help keep you safer. Now, my stock portfolio is that I, I kind of prefer real estate over all of that. It, it's one of the best hedges against inflation. Um, real assets to me are, are very important because you know, people always need a place to live, right? Um, there's significant tax benefits you get with real estate versus investing in the stock market. It, it, actually, investing in the stock market, sometimes you have to pay taxes on these unrealized gains, right? So if you do really well, you're all of a sudden you're like, wait, why am I paying more money to the government? Because you have to pay taxes on that, right? Where on the real estate side, it's like, well, I get to claim this deduction. I get to claim this. I get to claim that. Um, so it, it just depends on what you want to go. I, I invest more heavily in real estate, but I'm also in the stock market as well. So I, having a good understanding of inflation and just basic financial literacy is going to help you like kind of not lose all that money every year. And I, I think that's kind of the big point I want to make here is the, the education piece is go out and, and take some courses, go out and learn from a coach or a mentor. Uh, you know, to have somebody take you under their wing, those are the things that are going to help you really succeed and not lose money every year. Now, you should have some money saved uh, for an emergency fund, right? Usually they recommend, most people say three to six months. In more recent times with, you know, what's been going on with the pandemic, uh, a lot of people say closer to a year. I, I'm, I'm kind of in that same boat. I say six months to a year, have that money saved up in case you lose your job or anything like that. Um, and it just depends on you know what your career field is, but have those expenses saved up so you're covered if something was to happen, if you don't have like unemployment insurance or things like that. But anyway, I'll I'll get off that uh I'll get off that boat there. <laughs> no, it's a great boat to be on, man. I, I completely agree because I think uh again it comes down to at the very least, like people will go, Well, you know, my financial planner said to throw my money in this, and I'm like, Well, you're making four percent on that. Well, yeah, but inflation's eight percent. So you paid him to teach you how to not lose as much. Like that doesn't right. seem like a really great way to go, like right now. So you have to have the reality, kind of what's going on there. And I think the other part of that is I do have these conversations where, you know, I, I had this one person I was dealing with, and she had a house that was free and clear. She was like, you know what, I inherited this house, and I go cool. Like, and she was basically living paycheck to paycheck. I think she was making under fifty thousand dollars a year, and I was like, hey, you know what? Like, let's sell that house. Let's refinance that house. Let's pull a HELOC on that. But let's do something with what's sitting in there in the equity there, and let's reinvest mm -hmm. it in another project. And I set her up, and she just kept not pulling the trigger on any of the options. And eventually, I was like, well, like, what's the issue here? She's like, I'm scared to go back into debt. I didn't have debt on this house. I was like, cool. So if you're not happy with your quality of life, your finances, what's the alternative? Well, I'm going to save up and just buy another one in cash. No, you're not. Like that, by the time you saved up the 200, it's going to be worth 400. Like you just, you can't do it. But I think that people get that in their head that debt is all bad, but it's not all bad debt. There's consumer debt, which I refer to as debt. And then good debt that saves you time or saves you money. And you invest in things that are going to be worth more in six months, not less. And I consider that leverage. And that really is the only way I've seen short of falling into a big bundle of cash to really get yourself as an average Joe or Jane out of the rat race. What is your take on you know bad debt versus good leverage? Yeah, Nick, 100%. Uh, and I think a lot of people that get in this, uh, I'm scared of debt, uh, probably listen to a lot of Dave Ramsey and Susie Orman. But you know the, the reality is, and, and I got it, he got burned back in the 80s, right? Poor choices that were, were made, right? But it, it's kind of tainted his outlook uh, on everything. I, I like to uh, get rid of that consumer debt, like you had mentioned, right? 
but where you can leverage debt, that's the important thing. And, and basically to, to leverage debt is if you're going to go into debt to buy an asset or to invest it in something that is going to give you a return, then it's worth it. I took a HELOC out of my house and I took that money out and invested it in other real estate syndications. And the returns that I get from that, the dividends that I get, I make more back than the interest I pay on the HELOC and the inflation. And I take all those dividends and I pay the HELOC back down. And then I also take the HELOC and I, I chunk down my mortgage a little bit and I pay it back down. And then I go back to the bank and say, hey, look, Mr. Bank, I've paid down my house $100,000. I'd like to increase my line of credit by another $100,000 because for me, my focus is having that liquidity to purchase more real estate, right? To go and get the next asset or opportunity that's going to make itself available to me. I don't like my equity just sitting here idle, right? Because if I'm paying my home down and you know I'm, I'm dumping all this money into it, I'd like to get a return off of that as well. So a lot of people look at your, your personal home as uh, only a liability. I, as a matter of fact, Robert Kiyosaki is famous for saying stuff like that. He'll say that your home is a liability and it's only a liability. But if you do things to, to turn your home into an asset, like turning it into a giant checking account or credit mm -hmm. card, like, I, like I've done with my HELOC, you can then take that money and buy other cash producing assets, you know, and then pay it back down. But now you have this other asset. And I think that's the, the thing that people need to realize. So what that, that situation that you have with your friend, I mean, she could have, especially if she owned, owned that home free and clear, there's so much she could have done to, to really increase the quality of life uh, that she has, you know, and, and sure, I get it. You don't want to be in debt, but if you are making enough in residual passive income to cover the debt that you just put yourself into, like that it's going to pay it off and then still have some left over, it's a hundred percent worth it at that point. Agree. And I think it just goes back to the interest rate arbitrage factor of who cares what that money's costing you as long as you know you're you're borrowing at 5%, but you're renting it out at eight, eight or nine percent. And now you have somebody else paying that debt down for you versus you buy your own thing, you're paying it back. Like literally, it's it's the house's money. So I, I completely exactly. agree with that. With the uh, interest rates right now and talking about the inflation factor, for people like I get this question all the time now about like, well, why isn't real estate such a great hedge against inflation? So debt actually could be a really great thing in a time when inflation is up. So talk a little bit through the principles of that. Sure. So, you know, uh, and it's funny that if people say that that real estate's not a great hedge against inflation, it is one of the best hedges against inflation. I'll give you an example. So my home, when I first bought it, I had a 4.65% interest rate on it back in 2018. Uh, when the pandemic hit and interest rates uh, dropped down, I refinanced it at two and a quarter. I went from having a mortgage payment of just over 4,400 a month down to 3250 a month. So I saved over $1000 a month just from something as simple as refinancing my home. Now that extra $1000 a month does a lot more for me, right? I can now invest that in something else or or whatever, right? Whatever I decide to do with it. Now at the same time, this money that I borrowed on my home, right? You know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, if I was to purchase this home again, my mortgage would probably be two, three, four times what it is right now. So here I am living in this home on yesterday's dollars. And people don't realize the power in that, the power in a mortgage. All they see is, well, over the lifetime of the loan, I'm going to pay this much interest. Got it. Then go rent the place and <laughs> get nothing in return, right? Where you're paying 100% interest, right? Would you rather pay... Six, seven percent interest, or you know, and refinance it in the future, or would you rather pay a hundred percent interest to live in a place that's not yours while you're paying somebody else's mortgage off? Because that's what you're doing when you rent, right? When you're renting, you are paying off that landlord's more that landlord's mortgage for their asset that they have, and you are helping them to get a, a you know, be in a more comfortable spot when they want to retire and be done with everything, right? Whereas you know, you can own your own home and, and, and your own personal home can be one of the biggest pieces to start generational wealth. And I, I don't think enough people realize the power in owning your own home, right? Because again, there's so much you could do with it. 
I borrow from my home so I can get more real estate, right? That there's power in that. And like I said, the, the whole thing about borrowing yesterday's dollars, there's power in that. So, you know, you got to take the power back. You, don't be a renter and, and throw your money away. Own your home and then go buy more real estate and rent that out to, to other people that, that just, you know, and, and I get it. Sometimes you, you're not in a good spot where you can buy a home at this point in your life, right? But I'm telling you right now, I know people that find a way, right? And that's the thing. If you can challenge yourself and you can get over that mental hurdle, you'll find a way to own the home, right? I, I, as a matter of fact, I was on a call earlier today with this young kid. He's 21 years old, uh, him and his twin brother and stuff. They, they invest in multifamily syndications as general partners. Like they're out there crushing it. Stuff like that. You can do that. And, and people get held up on, well, I'm only 18, 19 or 20 years old. I don't have the background for that. You can do it. You got to overcome the mental hurdle. hundred percent. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesale and fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com, go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together make it happen everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner best time to start is today i Take love that man. Power. touched on so many great things there that I, we could go off on so many different tangents for but i think a great transition into that is i know you you're big on your four pillars of financial literacy yes. i would love for you to, to touch on those and you already touched on one of them but if you can go through those for people i think those are excellent topics yeah, Nick, 100%, man. Um, so yeah, we, we already touched on education. I think that's huge. And that's the first one, right? Get yourself educated. Whatever asset class you want to go into, whether it's real estate or even in the stock market or crypto, whatever it is you want to do, educate yourself on it first, right? The next piece is to get a mentor or a coach or both, right? There is a difference between the two. A mentor is somebody that's in, like already doing the thing that you want to do right? And you can kind of follow along and ask for their advice and they can kind of just bring, hey, come on and take a look at this with me, right? A coach though, a coach is someone you're going to pay and they're going to hold you accountable, accountable, right? They're going to be like, hey man, get off your ass, go get this done. We need to make this happen, right? Um, I, I use a coach uh, as, as a real estate agent, right? I have a coach that kicks me in the ass all the time. She's always like, hey, Mike, you're focused too much on A, B, C, or D. You need to like lock it in down here and, and make this happen. I'm like, okay, got it. You know, and, and sometimes you need that reality check. So I, I believe in coaches. I think coaches are a great thing. So that's the second pillar, right? Get a mentor, get a coach, you know, get somebody that's going to help motivate you. Okay. The third piece, and this is a big one, is networking and building relationships. If you want to get in the real estate game, you need to go out to some local meetups. You need to go to real estate conferences. You need to meet the people that are out there doing it. I've gone to several conferences recently, and I met so many people there that were brand spanking new to real estate investing. And I said, you know what? You guys are really smart. I was like, you're coming out here to see what some of these other folks are doing and learn from the best. I mean, that's what you need to do. I was like, you guys are going to be successful. You know, uh, it, it took me a while to realize, like, I need to actually get out here and get to these meetups and network and meet people. But networking is just one piece. The other piece of this pillar is that relationship building that I mentioned, right? You can network all day. I could see him like, oh, I know this really cool, uh, cool guy named Nick, right? He's also from Long Island, whatever, right? It's one thing to know somebody, but you know, if we're keeping in constant contact and we're touching those buttons, right? There's always those touches, um, and you know, checking up on each other, like, hey, man, hey, I know it was your wife's birthday last week. How'd that go? Blah blah. Things like that. You start building a relationship, then people start to remember you, right? So if you start building these relationships, right, you you, you keep hitting on those touch points. People will remember you when a good deal comes by and they're like, Hey, you know, 
I'm thinking I might need a partner for this deal. Who's that person that I was talking? Oh yeah, Mike, he kept hitting me up. Yeah, he's, uh, that, he's a good dude. I'm going to hit him up. Hey, Mike, I got this deal. And you, know, you start doing this over and over and over again. You're going to find your next partner right, in a real estate deal. So go, go out to these conferences, go out to these meetups and start having these conversations. The very final pillar, and this is the most important pillar of all, because the other three mean nothing if you don't do this one, and that's take action, okay? You can get all the education in the world. You can have a mentor and you can have a coach that's going to kick you in the ass and tell you to take action, right? You can go to all these networking events and build these relationships. All that means jack crap if you don't actually go out there and take action yourself. So that is the final pillar. Get out there, take action, make it happen. Uh, a lot of times there's this mental trigger that you have to, or this mental switch that you have to flip. But as long as you can do that and you get the right mindset and follow these four pillars, you're going to go out there and crush it, man. I love that, man. And I think a huge one you just touched on is when you go out to networking events, concentrating on nurturing that relationship. 100%. I've I've gotten both ways of like, I want to go to this conference and get as many business cards or contacts or Instagram connections as I possibly can. And then I have the ones where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to look to solidify five friendships I already have and just spend some time with those guys or girls. And then I'm going to find new new five connections. Then I'm going to find a way to keep in touch with them. So, because sometimes it can get overwhelming. Like there's all these rock stars there, all these people doing all this crazy stuff. This guy I want to talk to about Airbnb. This guy I want to talk about Landaville. And this guy I want to talk about lending. And you wind up kind of going home with just the Rolodex of people that you never touch base with. So do you have a system or tips or things to kind of touch on how to attend a conference or a meetup or a networking event or a seminar and like what to go in with as an expectation and then how to properly follow up after to nurture some of those relationships. Nick, that is a fantastic question, man. And I'm glad you asked it. So <laughs> uh, before I go to any type of conference or uh, meetup event or anything, I, I do set goals for myself, right? I, I say, I want to meet, you know, two people. Okay. And I'll, I'll narrow it down to just like two people that I want to have a lasting contact and build a relationship with, right? at least two people, right? I can meet as many more people, whatever, you know, Hey, fine. Here's my business card, whatever. Just go back and forth. Whatever. Hey, follow me on Instagram, right? Whatever. But I want to build a relationship with at least two people at this event. Right. So, and I'll tell myself that, and that that'll be the focus. I'll get all their information and I will stay in touch with them after the conference. I'll follow up like a week later and be like, Hey guys, uh, have you done A, B, C, or D? Like, you know, I know we talked about this at the conference and you said you were going to do this and that. Have you done it? You know, it kind of just be like a little bit of accountability there. And like, oh, Mike, hey, appreciate you reaching out, man. Uh, no, I did not do that, but thank you for reminding me. And you, you'd be surprised how far that goes when you have somebody that says, man, this guy remembered me from the conference we were at a week ago and then followed up with me to see if I did what I said I was going to do. Like, okay, this, this is a real person, right? This is a real person that I want to stay in touch with. So you start doing that. Now, I highly recommend you get uh, some type of CRM system, right? And, uh, you know, there's, there's many different ones out there. I use one right now specifically for real estate and coaching called HiveMind. Um, I like it. It works out really well. Um, but it, it's a great way to have those constant touch points with people. I mean, I use, I use a CRM system, system too as a real estate agent, right? You want to constantly be following up with people. Otherwise, they're going to fall off and some other agent's going to pick them up, right? It's the same thing when you're building a relationship. So, and, and it, it might seem maybe a little... Um, off-putting or kind of uh, impersonal to have a CRM system to track your relationships. But trust me, when you're the person who's constantly reaching out and hitting those touch points, or even just sending a, a message on Facebook Messenger and saying, hey, man, uh, I've been thinking about you, how things going since the conference. And I know the last time we talked, you were going to do blah, 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 blah. Uh, what can I do to help you or things like that? Or, and then you'll start seeing that you're going to start getting messages from those people responding back. Hey, Mike, uh, hey, I appreciate you reaching out to me about A, B, C, or D. Uh, I remember you said you were going to do F. Did, did you do that? And I'm like, hey, man, yeah, I got blah, 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 blah done. You know, appreciate you reaching out. And you just keep nurturing those relationships. So no matter what you're doing, if, if you're going to a meetup, if you're going to a conference, set some small goals, realistic goals attainable goals, right? That you want to build and nurture at least two relationships. 
And if you do it that way, and you start going to a couple meetups and a couple conferences, you're going to, that Rolodex of real people is going to be a lot more valuable than the huge Rolodex that is just a bunch of names, right? I've got a whole file cabinet, like one of those little, uh, like the handheld filing things, <laughs> literally filled with business cards for people that I never even talked to. So handing out a business card, sure, fine. Um, I like to have QR codes on mine too, because it gets people like, oh, let me check this out. And then they go to my little page and like, oh, okay, this is pretty cool. Sometimes they remember that, but shaking someone's hand, having a conversation with them face-to-face, -face, not just like, hey, here's my business card. We'll talk later. It, it, it really carries so much more weight. And then follow up, just follow up with each other. I love that, man. And, uh, you know, speaking of getting yourself out there, we have the networking, which you can go out and you can have one-on-one, -on -one, but you can also do podcasting, which is one too many, as uh, Mr. Mark Evans, the dealmaker himself would say. So I'd love to hear a little bit about what made you start a podcast? And then I have a whole bunch of other podcast related questions for you once we start going through that. All right, Nick, we're going down the rabbit hole then. Here we go. <laughs> okay, so the, the podcast, it's funny. I started Average Show Finances as a blog. I had a buddy of mine who got into some, some trouble while he was in the Navy, right? And he was uh, getting sent home. Now he had enough time in to retire, right? So he was still able to retire, but it's... um. He, he started going out and sharing his story about what happened. And he started a podcast talking about, you know, resiliency and how to build yourself back up after, uh, you know, getting some of the most devastating news you can get. Right. And I saw what he was doing with that. And I, and I really enjoyed listening to his podcast and hearing the stuff that he was doing and just hearing him speak. Right. Uh, he even came out here to Hawaii and spoke to a bunch of my sailors out here too. Um, and just being able to see, you know, just that drive and that personal motivation that he had. And he approached me one day. He said, Mike, you know, you're doing this blog. You're, you're talking about, you know, how you got out of debt. You're talking about your first real estate deal. Why don't you start a podcast and talk? He's like, I know you're from New York, Italian kid. You like to talk a lot. Why don't you start a podcast and talk about this? He's like, even if it's just you talking about what you're doing, he's like, I think people will listen. I said, ah, who the hell wants to listen to me, right? I was like, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe when I get out of the Navy, maybe when I retire, uh, I'll consider doing something like that. Right now, I want to focus on finishing up my time in the Navy and, you know, and real estate. And he's like, he's like, no, trust me, man. Even if it's just one a month, do it. I said, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to commit to one a week. And I said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do one a week. So I said, all right, fine. You twisted my arm enough. Let's do it. Started a podcast. And I get so excited about things when I start doing something that I just, I just start it right away, right? So I, I did it, launched the show. I did um, my first episode and did like my first interview shortly after that and realized I don't have any content for next week. Like, what am I going to do? And then I started scrambling, right? And I'm like fighting to go out and find guests and, and make, I said, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to make this happen, right? And I didn't realize um, I was making it happen, but to the detriment of myself and my family. Because I would, you know, spend all this time trying to find a guest and then I would, I would get an interview done and I'd be like, okay, I got to edit it. I got to make sure it's good. I got to get all the uhs and ums out because I'm a big pauser. And I realized, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm just, this is taking too much time. I'm spending like eight hours a week just editing one episode. This is crazy. After about six months of doing that, I realized I need to outsource this stuff. I, I need to just let someone else do this for me. So I hired an editing team, right? brought them on board. And I, at the time too, I was getting like maybe 20 to 40 downloads a month. I was like, yeah, I've got like my core little group, right? It's probably like my cousin and like a couple of friends. <laughs> and, uh, and then you realize too, like your friends and your family, they don't listen to your podcast, right? It's actually other people. So, it, you know, I got to, I got to tell myself, I started psyching myself out too. Like, well, why am I even doing this? And I thought about 20 or 40 people in a room. I said, that's, that's being in front of a classroom. Like I'm actually teaching people. And, and if I can impact one person, that makes a difference to me. So if I got 20 to 40 people listening, that makes a difference to me. So I said, I'm going to continue doing this. Hired the editing team. And then once I brought them on and I stopped worrying about things and just like, okay, here, record the content, you do your thing. Uh, and then they, they would give me the files back. I would upload everything, put it up on YouTube, all that stuff. 
and be like, ah, okay, done. I started noticing some things like my downloads were increasing, right? Uh, I started sharing more stuff on social media because I had the time to do that. So I would share like my audiograms, excuse me, I would share my social media caption videos and all that stuff. And I'm like, okay, this is getting some play, right? And I'm getting more downloads. All of a sudden I went from that 20 to 40 downloads a month to a couple hundred, like, oh, I got 700 downloads this month. That's super cool. Then I went from 700 downloads a month to, oh, I just got 2,100 downloads a month. Okay, 3X, that's what, let's go, right? Then I went from 2,100 downloads to now I'm sitting at about between 10 and 12,000 downloads a month. And I'm like, okay, uh, I've got an audience. People are actually listening to this and, and it's really good. I started booking bigger guests. And uh, I, I'm telling you right now, man, like I do not go out and search for guests anymore. I just don't. I sought out one guest recently uh, for the first time in a long time. I reached out to his personal assistant and that was for Brandon Turner. I said, hey, I want to have him on my show. And I sent them my slide deck that I send to people that want to advertise on my show, right? And uh, he came back and said, yeah, hey, he'd love to come on the show. Cool, got him on. But I have not actively sought people since then. Uh, my inbox right now, actually, I could pull it up. I have 97 unread emails right now. It's disgusting. I know I need to get better at that. 97, I, dude, I would kill for 97 right now. No, no, no. <laughs> this, this, is, this is just unread, like stuff I have not gone through yet or my assistant hasn't gone through yet. And every single one of these is a recommendation for somebody to come on the show. These are the ones that I have not opened yet or, or touched or just blanket deleted because I like to go through every single one of these. Now, unfortunately, I, I do have to turn some people down because they're just not a good fit for the show. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm looking at where I'm at now versus where I was when I started, Nick. And it's like night and day. And you know what the big difference is? I started outsourcing and I stopped caring so much about, you know, uh, what are people going to think about this episode? And blah, blah. once I stopped caring, it was just like, Ah, oh, okay. Kind of got this relief off my shoulders. My family hates me less. Okay, we're we're good. I could focus on these other things, right? And even now, sometimes I tell myself, man, the podcast is still too much. You know, I'm actually taking the next two months off of interviews. I'm not interviewing anybody for November and December because I've got five months worth of content booked and I release two episodes a week. So it's kind of bonkers. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm I'm in a good spot. I want to take a break. I'm going to spend the holidays with my family and not worry about podcasting. I'll go guest on other shows, but I don't want to do any interviews. So if, if you're listening to this and you're coming on my show in January, sorry, I might be out of it a little bit because uh, I forgot how to be a podcaster. But, <laughs> but yeah, Nick, uh, that's so uh, again, going down a rabbit hole again, but uh, I do absolutely enjoy podcasting because of, uh, and I bring, we'll bring it back full circle because of the networking aspect, right? I've brought on so many amazing people onto my show, uh, real estate investors, people in crypto. I still don't know a damn thing about crypto. And I've talked to several crypto people, uh, people, you know, I brought on talking about NFTs, still don't know a damn thing about that really. Um, stock market traders, day traders, you know, just some people doing some really awesome things. And I, I keep in touch with pretty much everybody that comes on my show. And then my inbox. Now, besides those, you know, emails I was telling you about of people that want to come on the show, the other piece of that is I get so much deal flow. Like, hey, oh, we got this uh, apartment building that's coming up in this area, blah, blah, blah. You know, hey, Mike, would you like to invest in this? Or, hey, Mike, would you like to co-GP on this? I've gotten several emails like that, which is fantastic. And it makes me feel a lot better that now that I'm retired from the Navy, I could start taking a little bit more action on this stuff. And it's like, you know, I, I built this. I was able to build this just from talking. And I was able to learn more about all these specific topics just from talking to people, right? I didn't know a damn thing about real estate syndications when I started interviewing people about syndications. So you know what I got to do and what us podcasters get to do that's a little bit selfish, but also very awesome. We get to ask the damn questions that we want to ask, right? And I think that's one of the things that's made my show maybe, you know, pretty successful is I'm asking these questions like, hey, explain it to me like I'm in fifth grade because I want to understand and I want my audience to understand. So I've got, you know, these people, you know, we call them the average Joes and average James, right? They're listening to the show and they're like, hey, I just paid off my debt, you know, because I was listening to some of your earlier stuff. And now I want to start investing. What do I get into? Well, there's this whole library of episodes where there's so much you could pick and choose from. So that's that's why I like to have 
no matter what the topic is, explain it to me like a fifth grader. So everyone that's listening feels comfortable and they feel like they can actually get some type of value out of that episode. So I'll catch my breath now and give it back to you. But that's what I love about podcasting, man. It's the selfish piece, being able to learn what I want to learn, but also network with some amazing people. That's awesome, man. And uh, kudos to Brandon Turner because I had him on my man. The guy's such a great freaking guy. Just met him actually in person for the first time a couple months ago, but awesome. just a good solid dude, David Green, too. Um, shout out to my buddy, David Perea, as well, that you run his podcast. You did a great job on that. I was listening to it. That guy's a stud. And of course, to Lawrence Dunning and the Lion uh, at the Lionheart podcast. That guy's another one. Just uh, outstanding people that I have met through social media and podcasting. So one of the things you said is I had some really good people that were doing my social media and my editing. And then they're entrepreneurs who started other businesses. And then it became, I can't keep doing this because now it's costing me time on that. And trying to get somebody new and train them and have them be reliable has been a challenge. So what are some tips to finding good people to take over that can echo some of the processes and stuff that you do and a little bit of your own voice too, because you also like, you don't want them going on and, and, communicating or posting things that don't, you know, they, they got to echo you a little bit to a point, but even just like the basic social media, like I'll make SOPs and give it to them. And they still just send me back something completely different. And I'm like, who told you to do that? Like, it's, it's crazy, man. So it gets frustrating. So give me, give me some tips here from, from my own, like you said, my own selfish reasons. <laughs> yeah. So actually uh, it's funny. Cause you just, you mentioned someone's name and this is actually the person who gave me this tip as well. So between David Pere and Jonathan Farber, uh, he's the host of the Millennial Millionaire podcast, right? Um, I reached out to both of them just asking, because I know they use VAs. I said, hey, what have you guys done to, to, to get a good VA, right? And uh, the thing is, like I, David and I even talked about it uh, when I was a guest on his show. Um, but the, one of the things that Jonathan told me to do was go on Upwork create the job that you want somebody to, to come and do, and then let people apply for it. Now, my first mistake when I hired my first VA was I, I went out and sought that person out. And I said, oh, th their profile looks perfect. This is exactly what I'm looking for. Hey, um, can I pay you blah, 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 and, and have you come over here and do this? Now, mind you, I was paying that person double than, excuse me, what I pay my current VA. And my current VA is 10 times, a hundred times, a thousand times better than the first one I hired, right? And I say this because the, the important part was, and the big difference, like I said, was I went and created the job and I let people apply for the job, right? And one of the things that I put in there too is like, besides doing A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, H, I, J, K, Elemental P, I also want you to do the rest of it. Uh, you know, as I grow, I want you to grow with me and we're going to start, you know, building this whole thing out together. And with that will come more hours, increased pay and all that, but help me get this thing off the ground and get better. Right. So I found this VA and she has been phenomenal. And as she's working on my stuff, she even told me that she started, uh, you know, listen, you know, she's listening to the stuff as she's working on it. And she's like, you know, I, I went out and started buying some land out here in the Philippines. So she's from the Philippines. Right. And now she invests in land, right? And she's doing really well with that. And she's actually getting ready to start her own VA business. And I'm helping her out with that, right? And uh, it's it's just, it's these little things that this relationship that we were able to build, and it was built on trust and understanding, right? So it took a little while to get to this point. It was, it was a little bit over a year before I got to the point where I fully gave her the keys to all my social media. Like, here's my passwords, here's everything. And now I got her going out there. This is something we just recently started, but now she's going out and interacting on other social media pages for me from my social media. So it looks like it, it's me going out there and you know, it's, it's, it's Gary V's method, right? Of, you know, how to increase your followers. And uh, I was like, I need help with this. I don't have the time to sit here and scroll through my Instagram all the time and comment on everybody's stuff. Uh, I, I can like it really quick. That's cool, right? But I can't sit here and watch your minute long video and just keep going through. I just I have to, I don't have the time, right? There's not enough time in the day. So um, she helps me out with that. So yeah, full disclosure, guys, a, a lot uh -huh. of times if you see me on, on social media, it might not be me. Um, but for the most part, if it's, if, especially if it's something personal, that that's me. Okay. Uh, and if we're chatting in the chat, it's me. I don't, I, I told her she's not allowed to chat or anything like that. So 
but anyway, um, yeah. So we just started doing that. I also have her now uh, posting uh, three times daily, three videos daily. And I, I'm starting to do some motivational videos now, right? Like the, you know, you got like the B-roll video going on, just like the text that comes over or like a, a, a caption of somebody speaking or like a piece of a speech. So we just started doing that. As a matter of fact, we started that two days ago. Uh, so I'm hoping to see some some good things come from that. But it took some time to build this relationship up, relationship up and build that trust. But it all started with, you know, that application and interviewing and screening people. So basically, after three hours after I posted that, man, I got 25 applicants. I narrowed it down to five. I looked at those five really uh, just like kind of scrutinized them, cut one more off, and then I interviewed four people. And then she was the one that stuck out the most to me. Um, I was paying her on Upwork for a year. And then we recently, I pulled her off Upwork and I now pay her a salary, right? We don't even track the hours anymore because I trust that she's doing what she needs to do. Now in Upwork, they track all the hours, which is really awesome, right? Oh, Especially cool. as you're building that up, right? You can see what they're doing, um, how much hours they're logging and everything. Uh, but now I, I trust her so much that she's getting all the work done. And even if she misses a couple of things, she'll reach out to me in Slack and be like, hey, Mike, um, I wasn't able to do ABCD. You know, we had a power outage or whatever. And I'm like, hey, it's cool. Appreciate you. Let me know. Give me an update. All good. Get it up there when you can. No big deal. But she hasn't missed a beat yet. She hasn't missed a podcast episode release or anything. I let her release that stuff for me. You know, I have an editing team and everything, but she's the one that handles everything. So uh, she manages my inbox, she manages my schedule, my calendar, everything, man. And it's just, that has been probably the biggest time saver and lifesaver for me because now I get to enjoy my family a little bit more, you know, because I've retired from the Navy. I'm not deploying anymore. I want to spend this time, I want to spend this quality time. You know, I, I have a teenage daughter and, and, a, and a tween, right? So I, I got to be the present father, you know what I'm saying? I, I want to be in, be in their lives. So that's incredible, man. I, I love all that. I'm definitely going to take some of your lessons there on, on my outsourcing and uh, some of the stuff I, I've heard you say is uh, very open. I just got to be a little bit more patience, I guess, to, to find the right person and train them and put that time in because uh, I guess what's the old effort to become effortless. You put a little bit of time into training them and that opens up all of your time now once you, you know, kind of put that, that in there. Hey, you know, I actually, I, I'll tell you something else too. I think that was very helpful. I had her, create the SOPs. I ah. said, I want, you know, this is what I want done. You can, you draft up a process of what this will look like. And she does that. She drafts it all up. I've done like, uh, when we first started this whole thing off, I did a couple like video tutorials. Like, um, there was a couple social media, like management tools that I was using, like hero post, um, content studio.io. And now like we, we pretty consistently stick with postly, but uh, when we were using like Hero Post, I did like this whole video tutorial on like, hey, here's how you log in. Here's how you post uh, to all these different groups. And I created this one thing that all you have to do is select it and it'll automatically select all my podcast stuff. So when every time you post an audiogram or a social media caption video, just select that group, put it in there and post it. And that was that. Uh, but now, now I mean, she takes care of everything, man. And, and Postly has been fantastic. And I'll, I'll give you another little piece here. Um, if you're not on AppSumo and using the stuff from AppSumo, go check it out, man. Um, and just be careful that you don't spend too much money, but there's so much like great software out there for entrepreneurs. It's insane. I absolutely love it. Um, and it's, there's just so many things I was, I've been able to find off there. Some, some of my, uh, email management and all of that, uh, calendar management. I, I use Calendly, but they also have a really good one on AppSumo. That's very close to Calendly. Uh, called tidy cow and literally you pay for it once and you have it for a lifetime it's just it's really good software that you can use that's awesome stuff man i appreciate those tips i'm definitely going to check those out and speaking of checking things out man i know we're running out of time here but talk a little bit about how do people find you how do people connect with you your blogs your podcast your business talk everything mikey c from long island <laughs> hey I'll, I'll keep it easy for everybody i i have everything all on one website now that will link to all my other websites it's just www.themikecav.com. Um, and that will take you to mikecavjoni.com, but 
the Mike Cav is easier for people to spell <laughs> T-H-E-M-I-K-E-C-A-V versus the Cavajoni, right? So uh, yeah, that you can find all my stuff on there. You'll find Average Joe Finances. You'll find the podcast. I have a podcast editing service on there. I have uh, my, my uh, pop-up nightclub uh, business that just started on there. And of course, uh, my, my stuff as a, as a real estate agent, also my referral business on there as well. Uh, check it out. Hit me up. Uh, all my social media is on there too. Uh, happy to chat with anybody. I love that, man. I appreciate it. And for anybody listening, all of those links will be posted on the show notes. So you can just live click on them as well. And uh, I'd like to have you back on again and talk about the inflatable nightclub. And now we get a little bit into the weeds and the other <laughs> stuff and we're out of time, but that's just a whole other thing that I'm amazed in. So either we can meet up over a pizza on Long Island, or I would be happy to come to Hawaii and we could just talk about it out there in Hawaii. <laughs> either way, man, both coast to coast, dude. So uh, in in a uh, turn here, I definitely would love to meet up face to face in reality. Anytime you're back out on the East Coast, Definitely let me know, man. I would love to link up with another Long Island entrepreneur. Before we let you go, sir, any final thoughts? Uh, I would just say that, you know, when we spoke about those four pillars earlier, I really mean it that if you follow those, it's going to lead to success. Just educate yourself, get a mentor and a coach, network, build relationships, and take action. Follow those steps. It's, they'll lead you up the pillars of success. Well, I appreciate you, sir. I took some notes while you were going here for my own stuff too, that I just thought were great. And I want to make sure we touched on that I took away from it. So this has been great for me, man. You obviously bring your A-game to everything you do in this interview has no been no, no different on the A-game podcast. So thank you so much for coming on Long Island Zone, Mike Cavagioni. Have a great day, sir. Aloha.